Today, you can alleviate stress on your company finances and stress on the electricity grid by participating in demand response with NLX. By adjusting your energy usage for just a few hours per year, your business could receive a welcome revenue boost and we could all benefit from a more sustainable future. With NLX, the power really is in your hands. To find out more, visit demandresponse.ie. The Home Show with Color Trend. Bring home Irish color with Color Trend paint. This is News Talk. Welcome to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, homes made of Lego. We look at the concrete version of the building blocks that are set to revolutionise the way we build forever. We're painting the town green as we look at how to inject this season's must-have colour into your home. It may be the smallest room in the home, but we look at how you can make a big impact in your box room. And from garden plots to designer urns, we're going to look at how people are choosing to say goodbye at home to the loss of a family pet. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show and our podcasts on the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. Now, folks, you're very welcome along this morning. Um, We're going to be talking later on about a subject which for many people is a sensitive one. So let me kick off with my own experience of the death of a pet. Now, over the years, we have had goldfish, a hamster, two cats and a much loved dog. All came to a natural end. Well, except for the goldfish, which kind of exploded after the youngest tipped the entire content of fish food into its tank. Anyhow, murders aside, we buried the hamster only to have a neighbour's dog dig it up later. It was absolutely disgusting. And for cats and dogs uh, that went to the big farm everybody knows about to live with their relatives, that was the demise of the others. But here's the thing. When it came to the dog, our beloved Ruby, the vet asked me after she was put down whether I wanted her ashes in an urn. I had literally never heard of that practice. I thought he was joking. Who on earth would would want that? It's awful. It's gothic. And as it turns out, very expensive. But loads of people do, apparently. So here's my question this morning. Before I chat to Roisin about this later on and get her take on it, did you keep your pet's ashes in a box? Where is it? Why? For how long? Uh, Or did you bury it in the garden? Or what decisions did you make around the death of a pet? Well, look, let me know this morning. I'll be very interested in hearing everybody's take on that. 53106 for 30 cent or email us here at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And for now, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Now, when it comes to exclusive addresses, Renla in Dublin would have to be one of the most desirable in the capital. But given its density, precision building is really important and it's now being used to develop four houses using cast concrete shapes manufactured at a factory in Cavan, of all places. This modular Lego style of house building means a serious reduction in build time and a load of other benefits. And to tell me more, I'm joined by the builder and property developer, Jamie Moran. Good morning, Jamie. Welcome to the studio. Thanks, Sinead. Thanks for having me. Now, um, can you describe... These homes, for like they're fabulous homes now. So we'll start by saying these are top end, aren't they? 
They are. They are. They are. There are four homes uh, on Charleston Road. So anyone familiar with Dublin Six or Ranelagh Rathmines, it's that road that connects Ranelagh to Rathmines. And over the last couple of years, people have always known Ranelagh has been a great hub for food and for entertaining and not having to necessarily go into town. And Rathmines over the last couple of years has really just every couple of weeks there seems to be a new food place or bar or so. It's We're kind of pivotally located right between them. You have the nice area of Beechwood, which is a subsector mm-hmm. of Ranelagh behind you. And then you have the with city. With the Lewis. With the Lewis. And then you have the city about like Stevens Green is less than a 20 minute walk. Sure. So Fantastic. location no, wise is. No, no kind of selling to be done on the popularity and, and how <laughs> desirable it is. Talk to me a little bit about the features of these particular homes. I, I don't understand the little bit about them being built in cabin. Talk to me about Okay, that. no problem. Well, we've this isn't our first rodeo. So like we've built um, town a town. The last townhouse scheme we built was also in Ranelagh. And we learnt a huge amount on that. We built them conventionally. And what I mean by conventionally is we built them with uh, block walls, uh, full fill insulation in the middle and then uh, precast concrete floors on each level uh, but we learned a huge amount in that in terms of the amount of waste we had on site um, the amount of time it took and um, I suppose two other issues from a safety perspective a lot more men on site in the conventional way that we built it and then a lot more uh, well a lot more waste and basically you're at the mercy of subcontractors and I think over the next 10, 15, 20 years we're really going to see a move away from wet trades. Okay. To, and, and what will be the difference there then? Because all this work needs to be done somewhere. Yeah, so when you're like, and again, the old analogy when people talk about precasting or modular homes or prefabricated homes, are they, they really, they, com- they tend to compare it back to building a car. And you would never get a car in a million pieces and, con- and, and um, uh, put it together yourself. Um, so when you build a modular house and you build it in a factory, the precision is just, it's its night and day compared to um, building it on site. Uh, we can get down to like three mil, two mil tolerances with insulation. We can guarantee no air gaps in between any walls that join. And um, I think I'm a bit of a pain in the backside for the precast company because they're really seeing how pedantic uh, we are and how, how precision it needs to be. Mm. Because there have been precast done for years and a lot of the time it was with concrete, but... The difference with us is that this is finished brickwork and the brickwork comes on the outside of the building completely finished. And when two large panels that could be up to 16 ton each join together, their tolerance is literally two mil. So not much like about half of your fingernail. And if it's out by half of your fingernail, squeaky bum time, everyone sees it when it all goes up. Uh-huh. Very, we've been, yeah, a few sleepless nights over the last couple of weeks, especially now that we're actually putting it up. And uh, yeah, we have to keep an eye on everything. Why Cavan? The guys in, in O'Reilly Concrete in Cavan, um, they're specialists in precast concrete for the last, I, I'm not sure, 20 or 30 years. But when we approached them to see could they do something for us where we brought it on a level and went to the finished brickwork, um, we had lots of conversations to see could they suit the design that we needed because... We are in Ranla and we're in a conservation area. So with that comes an added... Um, and a tight space. A, a very tight space and an added microscope on the the quality of work you're doing. So without getting too detailed, we're using what's called a Flemish bond. So a Flemish bond is a full brick and a half brick. Every single brick is a half... Every second brick is a half brick. And I know mm. that sounds pedantic, but when you're doing that in a factory setting, mm. 
that's an old style of bond and even to do that in a factory setting is quite difficult. Right. So okay. So these pieces are made in huge sections uh-huh. and transported, what, on the back of a lorry? Transported in the back of a lorry, oh, one, okay. maybe two sections at a time. Okay, and then uh, kind of shoehorned into place or, or craned into place. Yeah. So actually, for the people then living in Renla, they're watching this going up in chunks rather yeah. than brick by brick. So we've had great conversations with the guys on Charleston Avenue because it's a corner site and everyone is, the, the neighbours are all great and they're watching with great anticipation and we've been a long time in the ground doing the prep work because we have to make extensive structural work in the ground because mm. it's a, a, quite a heavy and building. these are tall buildings, they're four storey. They're four storey. So there's a there's an upper level, upper ground level, there's a, a garden level beneath that and two more floors on top. Okay. So you and, have a main living. And what is your layout in it? Because I you you have this thing which you, which you call Christmas tree floor syndrome. Talk to me about Okay, that. well, it, especially in winter when the evenings get a bit darker and you walk in any of these really nice roads Palmerston Road Dartmouth Square any of these lovely architectural conservation areas around Dublin if you look closely you'll notice that any of the houses that have been done up most people live on what they call the garden level it's not a basement level but it's the garden level it's Mm -hmm. the entrance level and so there's 10 or 12 really grandioso steps up to the front door that level is mostly dark for six months of the winter because when these people buy these houses the easiest and the most acceptable thing to the planners is to extend on the garden level. Mm -hmm. And yet they have their bedrooms on the top floor. So really they end up living, they go in at garden level, they bypass this really expensive real estate on the main bay window floor and then it gets used at Christmas for a month. And you have these amazing Christmas trees that light up Palmerston Park for a, for a week. Okay. But realistically, people don't get to use that floor just because of the layout of the floors. They're not that deep of a building. Mm. And so we've tried to address that where we get people to live on the upper ground floor. And we've created this incredible space that's almost a thousand square feet of living for dining, kitchen and living room on that main floor that people want to live. But that's the middle floor. That's the middle floor, you would call it, yeah. Right. Yeah, so then beneath you, so you really only have two floors of bedrooms on top and then beneath you, you have a floor that you've heated car storage and then you have an entire floor that can be laid out as a self-contained studio apartment or can be used in a more American open plan style with a gym, a living room and a a kind of a kid's hangout area. Okay. So Now, when it comes to building anything, uh, you know, at the moment, environmental factors are really, really important. Absolutely. Um, Concrete in particular because Mm. it is environmentally unfriendly, we're Mm. told. So what measures have you put in place? And I know the regs are really strict at the moment about underfloor heating and kind of uh, windows and all that. Uh, Has that been a challenge for you on these particular Absolutely. So these homes will be aerated and there is absolutely a right argument that concrete is, is very hard to, for the pure production of it but there have been also reports to show that over the lifetime of a building the, that a concrete building can actually absorb up to 50% of the carbon that it produced so it actually becomes a carbon sink effectively and a carbon sponge for the carbon so that offsets the carbon that was produced also in our climate what we we don't have that harsh a climate we never get the high highs we never get really cold colds but what we need is a constant temperature so underfloor heating works really well with that mm. where you have a constant emittance of what's called low temperature heat so that uses less energy it uses less electricity because we always have it on a constant steady keel the concrete then has an ability to act as a kind of a heat sponge like a heat brick and it then slowly releases the heat in the winter okay. so that we're actually using much less energy because these are big houses aren't they Jimmy? they're big houses and so for a house that's over 3,000 square foot, if, if you, and again, I think we're going to see a move towards people buying older houses that they're trying to get up to that level because it's so difficult. 
to really achieve that A, va- that a rating in an older yeah. house. Yeah. Whereas these houses are guaranteed to be A-rated and they will cost less than €3,000 per year for light and heat, which right. is insane. I am talking with Jamie Moran, property developer, who is building precast uh, concrete homes in Renala. Now, people will know you best, I think, from something you did many, many years ago, which was The Apprentice, and uh, it's all you fired in 2010. But arguably, you've had the biggest success of any contestant that was ever on that show. How did it make a difference to your life, or did it? Well, I'm not sure if... Um, at the time, 2010, we, we can easily forget how tough a time it was back in 2010. Depths I, of recession. The depths of recession. You know, at the time, I was 29. I'd only start... I was three or four years into my building career. I'd start building houses at 25. And, um, you know, the whole thing came tumbling down on everybody. And so, to be honest, for me, I had nothing really to lose. I had to... My, my mother and father had to lend me money to buy, like, suits for the show. Like, we literally had nothing. And... It was at that time. It was it was just nothing to lose, and I, my my longer term goal was if was to get back into property and create houses, and bring some form of liquidity back into the the, the houses that we were producing. But um, it was tough times, and we'd nothing to lose. And I kind of I I look back on it now as a great experience. It was a very interesting eight weeks and uh, really enjoyable. But. Uh, Thankfully, now we've we've been able to move on and do yeah. some great things after and it. The hubris of being in your twenties and be able to decide I'm going to be a property developer. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting times. Like I, I left I left my bank my good banking job at 24. I was six months gone out of my job before I actually had the courage to tell my mom who'd put me through college, <laughs> um, to tell her that I'd given up this good office job as she still calls it. But still to this day, she tells me, oh, Jamie, would you not? take off the stress and go back and get a nice handy office job. But I see, the Irish mammy. The Irish <laughs> mammy, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, yeah, her, her, her intentions are in the right place. Of course. And of course, she's looking at your fantastic success now, I'm sure, and seeing that uh, these Embarrassingly proud sometimes. <laughs> all right, aren't they all? All right. Well, listen, what's next for you, Jamie, after these houses are built? Really good question, because that's the trick. It's trying to find land that we're not into building. There's so many good big companies out there that can mass produce stuff, and that's not our skill set. We want to get up out of bed every day and do stuff that we love and leave a positive impact on where we build. Any scheme that we have to look at, we have to say, can we do do something that's really exciting and is of its time um, and I suppose that's where we spend a lot of time now that we're up and moving on one site trying to find something that's really interesting and something that we think we can do a good job on so we're always on the lookout and uh, that that's the next job Alright well certainly no longer an apprentice but definitely a master of his trade and property developers can get a bad rap because uh, yeah. they're bundled into one amorphous bunch of people, some of whom gave this country a bad name. Yep. So I'm delighted to be able to talk to you today and um, really exciting plans that you have available and you are doing a phenomenal job. So thank you for joining us on The Home Show this morning and uh, it was lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much, Sinead. Now, remember, all this morning, I want to hear about your stories as to how you commemorated your family pets when they passed away. Text us at 53106 for 30 cent or email me here at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Now, still to come, we're going to look at the top ways to inject this year's hottest colour, green, into your home. So grab yourself a treat and join me back here on The Home Show here in News Talk after this. The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk. And you're very welcome back to 
The Home Show here in News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us this morning, you can text us on 53106 for 30 cent or email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You can listen live or listen back to any of our items on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Before the break, I was talking to Jamie Moran, former apprentice, now property developer, about the very posh homes he is building in Renla from pre-cast concrete. Very interesting altogether. But first, take a listen to this. Yes, that was good old Shaken Stevens. And why are we playing him a retro hit this morning on The Home Show? Well, how many times have we heard our own Roisin Murphy tell us that green is the new black when it comes to interior design? So we thought we would look at some of the interesting and fabulous ways that you can inject that colour into your home. And who better to help us explore the green scene than our own green queen, Home of the Year winner, Jennifer Sheehan. Good morning, Jennifer. Welcome the to the The green studio. queen. The Good green morning. Queen. And actually, I'm looking at you now. You are resplendent in I green. I went for it. And I have dressed in green as well for the day that is in it. We both got the memo. Earrings, nails, clothes, everything. We're fully oh green. Actually, we'll take a picture and we'll pop it up after the, <laughs> the, two jolly after green the show outside. The two jolly green giants. Indeed. Yes, thanks very much. <laughs> Speaking for myself here. Okay, now green... Um, it's kind of one of those colours that's everywhere around us, of course, yeah. in nature. And it isn't often featured in furniture as or hasn't been in paint. And I think it's because you can go a bit mad with it. You can go the kind of Kermit. Cool Kermit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not or, at the, or maybe people of maybe my generation will remember the dreaded avocado bath sweets. I ripped one out yeah. of my own house. Yeah. yeah. So you have to be careful about stuff like that. So talk to me about we've had you shopping around and looking around at what is good in green and maybe sustainable and what goes with other things. It's a difficult colour to match up, I always think. I, I, I kind of think the opposite. So once you avoid the full Kermit and once you get over the avocado bathrooms and God be with the days, let them not come back. I kind of think it's almost hard to go overboard with green because... As you said, we're used to seeing a whole spectrum of different green colours in nature and I feel like they almost blend into the background. I think it's okay to, to go for it. And what I did was, as we were discussing this theme during the week, I looked around my own home once again to find it's everywhere. So mm. anyone who's seen, I'll put a photo up on my Instagram afterwards, anyone who has seen my downstairs bedroom, my office. Asher, we've all seen it it's now. It's There's no secrets in your house. <laughs> no, there's nothing anymore. left. I had a visitor during the week and I said, do you want to look around? And he was like, no, I've seen everything. Indeed, <laughs> it's okay. Right, well, let's start with um, the, the simplest thing, I suppose, and that's paint, because that is where you are going to find the gamut of colours from lime right through to um, dark uh, bottle green. Yeah. So you've been looking at some paint colours. Tell yeah. us what you found. So the first one I found, and paint is brilliant because you can do it and redo it. It's only paint. Yes. Yes. The first one I found is those beautiful 
what's replacing greyish. You know that kind of grey tone that was on walls. They're on my walls. Walls all over Ireland Love at the moment. Love a bit moment. of grey. Love a show. bit of grey. Yeah. But what's really replacing that now is a hint of green with it. So I found a couple of colours really beautiful in, in colour trend. So I, my walls are in colour trend. They're a great Irish company. The first one I found is Sorrel. It's almost got a hint of a kind of a spring green to it. It would be lovely in, you know, a, a south or west facing room that gets lots of light. Maybe you have your breakfast or something in there or even a bedroom. You know, it's, it's a really nice, quite a, not too color, bright, but it? calming with mm. a hint of, of spring in it. Sorrel is interesting. Well, it's, it's interesting that they've chosen that name because, you know, you do think of plants when you think of green. Yeah. And I love that kind of sage green, which also has a grey tint. It does. It's dull yeah. enough. But it's classy. It's so classy. And it goes, I think that goes with anything. I think it really, it blends in almost to the background and I really feel it matches up with lots of different okay. things. Okay, so Sarl, and there's another one? I found Goya. So this I found was more of the grey green, less of that kind of bright springy look to it. And if you're just moving away from the greys and you want to experiment with just that hint of green, I thought Goya in the colour trend um, spectrum was just beautiful, really classy. Okay, now if you're putting that on your walls, would you put that all around the walls? Or I'd just put in it one everywhere. Okay. I'd put it everywhere. And what you could potentially do is you could have accents. So that's a really nice, you know, it's a bit of a stronger white colour, but it does fade into the background. And you could go for a brighter or a stronger or a deeper green potentially on your skirting boards, on the architraves around your door, on the back of your door, for example. Like a frame. Like a frame, yeah. Yeah, just a slightly stronger colour. It doesn't even have to be in the green family, but just something that makes it pop out. It's another way to experiment with bringing it in, you know. Well, I'm, I'm a little traditional and I think... I mean, that's a great idea if it works. I don't know that I'm that brave to put kind of a very dark green with pale green. What about a lovely warm cream? Because that can be nice with it. Or is that really boring? I The only thing I want to avoid are creams is that you end up back in that kind of primrosy magnolia oh, yeah. thing of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, cream can be lovely. But I think it just avoid that yellow yellowish yellowiness. Yeah. You can get, <laughs> actually, if you go into a good paint shop, you can get your base colour in in different colors you know yeah. white or yellow or or you know um browns yeah. or blues you know and you they can. do that base cover and that'll warm it right up you yeah, know, you can. And you could do a basic green. The other thing you can do is if you find a color you like but it's too strong for you, you can get it at half strength. So try, you can try that out and just mix it through with maybe about half a pot of, of oh, white and they'll do that for idea. you. That's so if you're kind of scaling idea. it back a bit, you can okay. do that. Now, of course, one of the colours that goes really, really well with green, I'm not brave enough for this, is pink. Yes, <laughs> I love it so much. Green and pink is one of the most stunning combinations. I absolutely adore it. I think put it everywhere. It's fabulous. The only the thing I, I love with it is the two pastely kind of shades. If you stay in this in a kind of similar Oh yeah, you don't want neon and, and yeah. the, you know bottle green. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So maybe a really Tone dark down, rich folks. pink and bottle <laughs> or yeah. neon everywhere or two pastels or something like that. But they are a magic combination. I love it so much. Okay. That's uh, green. Okay. So that's paint and accents uh, around your architrave and your windows which yeah. is a great idea. Now in terms of furniture or large pieces Jennifer yes okay so you've got your obvious ones like your armchairs your couches my own couch I'll put up a photo of it as well um, that's from Finline Furniture made in Ireland it's a herringbone sea green mm. kind of a colour um, you've got curtains you've got you know rugs throws all that kind of stuff um, But or, or your headboard for example and your bed could be a really nice green as well so lots of ways to bring it in 
Oriana B at the moment have a really beautiful, you know, that deep green kind of 50s style velvet couch love at the it. moment. I love adore it. it. I saw it on her website recently. It's 14 And you can do great Fabulous. colour pops in bright colours yes. in the cushions, can't you? Cushions, rugs, throws, anything like that. You can really pop. And green, you know, there's so there's such a spectrum of green. Like if your base colours around your house are or blues, or pinks, or yellows, or anything like that, you can get a green to match that. Mm. So it's just making sure they're roughly around the same kind of spectrum. But I think, yeah, no, easy I love to bring that it in. jewel colour. It's yeah. just so rich, and it's beautiful, actually, even in a room that doesn't get a lot of light. Yeah. it's so warming, and it, it kind of hugs you around And calming. You know, mm. they're called green rooms for a reason. Yeah. Well, I heard they're not green anymore, but it, they used to be, and it is a very calming colour. I love it in bedrooms. I think it's really nice in bedrooms. And you mentioned there your own sofa. Um, yes. Your, so herringbone. So that's a paler color. Then it's a paler color. It's a it's it's a herringbone. So it's a white in with the the bluey sea foamy green color, um, and it just works really really well in that pattern because it it's very soft. It blends very much into the background. And one thing, not on colors, but one thing I'll say about having a pattern is you can spill anything on it, and your dog can run all over it, and it's fine because it's Sound very like you're very speaking from experience. Is I am a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. And um, one other piece of furniture that I'm just going to throw out there because people might be on the fence about it I saw this the fabulous Jenny Green uh, did up her garage recently so she has a neighbour to her rave cave and she brought in a pool table (gasps) now hers is red but they're typically green and if someone out there is on the fence about you know there's an argument about whether we should get a pool table or not they're green get one it's a great way to work in a bit of green in your house way to lose your kids (laughs) or your husband which isn't for a bad hours thing. on end, which might not be a bad thing. Right. Okay. A pool <laughs> table. I don't know how people feel about that. Um, just for the color. I don't know. But another they are. way to I bring love in some watching green. Watching the snooker. So that. So maybe that. Maybe that's my nod to it. Okay. <laughs> now you mentioned there um, rugs and throws, but of course one of the other things that is in my head when I think of that beautiful dark jewel green colour are those um, old reading lamps you know yeah, the, the banker's the, the, the lamps gold. is that what they are they're okay. banker's lamps and I love them and I've seen them in so many different settings I've seen them in you know art deco-y pop arty new modern style settings and they just seem to go everywhere mm. um, they, they're they really classic design they're that beautiful as you said kind of jewelly bottly green coloured glass and that gorgeous brass um, stem and I just think they're so classic and they're so so stunning they go anywhere yeah they've never really been out of fashion never never and you associate them with libraries and you know obviously stuffy banks, old chairman's offices stuffy old chairman's that. offices but they really go in a modern setting or a more you know or a more adventurous setting I just think they look good Lovely everywhere on a mahogany table yeah. or a dresser maybe or that. a white table or yeah, anything okay. I just love them okay, I think they're fab right. uh, now um, where would you get those type of lamps I saw one in Hegarty Lighting I was shopping for my own uh, for my own desk um, and it was 107 euro okay yeah all right well that's not bad not really bad. you know and it's yeah. a lovely focal point um, classic in the room design lovely focal together point. maybe all your other all your other elements that are there exactly okay. now of course when it comes to green the first thing we mentioned there was nature and plants and all that so some good house plants that are lo- for me uh, low maintenance <laughs> Okay, so I kill everything, right? So uh, there are obviously those beautiful leafy greens like your monsteras, etc., which I'm told are low maintenance. I'm not willing to find out because I will kill it. There are great fake ones out there as well. You know, so silk plants, for example, there's beautiful ones. What I love are the succulents and the cacti. I got given a present of two little small cacti by my friend Sarah when I first moved into my house two years ago. 
I left them on my desk in my office, which I didn't set foot in for over a year because of lockdown. And I went back in to pick up uh, stuff from my desk and the two of them were still there. Nobody wow. had touched them and they were fine. So I am all Perfect. for cacti, all for succulents. Beautiful way to, group, to bring in some it green. It is actually a beautiful way. Very, very low maintenance. And you can get lovely variegated leaves now on cacti. They're so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you really just a couple of drops of water just look so at often. them just look sideways at them every few weeks and they're grand perfect Beautiful. now um, you did come across some interesting um, design uh, places that you know are green in, in colour and allow you to be a little bit creative talk to me about that and low maintenance I'm going to put that <laughs> front and centre because it's most important um, yeah there's a fabulous company uh, called Moss Design Art they're on Instagram um, and actually, if you look, if you follow anyone out there who follows the lovely Neve at Passive Build on Instagram, she's got a few of these going up her stairs and it looks amazing. They are these framed pieces of living moss. There's no maintenance, as I said. They are really good for air quality. Um, they look absolutely stunning. There's, you know, a few different shades of green in there. It's it's alive, you know, it's a living thing and Is it changes. It? It's real. It's real so moss. So how do, you, how do you look after that then? Do you it thrives on bacteria. So the crap that's in the air that we are breathing in and out every day, it, it feeds off that and the humidity in the air and off it goes and you don't have to touch it. Amazing. It's the perfect plant. Now, that's perfect for, for every home. Right? Aren't they fabulous? Now, uh, classes uh, to make your own. Yeah, sculptures. so I came across this. So Moss Design Art, they had beautiful things, small, small prints for around 60 and then huge ones for up to around the 600 euro mark. And it looks incredible. But if you're handy, you can make your own. So I came across a place called artfulgreen.ie um, I'm really interested to try this one myself, even though, OK, I'm not a green finger person, but it seems fairly straightforward. So she has DIY kits up there for 95 euro and then she does classes. And I think corporate classes as well. So if you're thinking of something interesting for your office or your work or whatever it might be, she does those. So artfulgreen.ie and you get a kit of, you know, a little kind of wooden slatted framed thing and then different types of seeds and succulents and green plants to put into it and then you hang it up and I can only assume that yours would be stunning if you gave it a go. Unlikely but thank you very much <laughs> for that Jennifer Sheehan Home of the Year winner and uh, Green Queen on the Home Show here and uh, thanks for coming in and talking all things green this thanks morning. Thanks for having me. Now, after the break, our resident architect, Roisin Murphy, will be joining me from Carlo to talk garden plots to designer urns as we look at how people are dealing with the passing of a family pet in the home. So why don't you grab yourself a coffee? Join me back here on The Home Show and News Talk after this. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. If you're just joining me now, we spoke to Jennifer Sheehan just before the break. She was talking about injecting the colour green this year's must-have into your home in colour pops. Uh, before that, I was speaking with Jamie Moore, a former apprentice and now property developer, about his new scheme in Renla. If you'd like to listen back to any of those items, or indeed our greatest hits, all up on podcast on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, at this stage every week, we welcome back Roisin Murphy to the show. Uh, Roisin is joining us this week from Carlo. Uh, Roisin, yes. you're very welcome along. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here from Carlo. Now, I was saying at the beginning of the show that we were talking about a kind of a sensitive topic for lots of people, yeah. um, which is when a beloved pet dies. And I know for many, many people out there, it is it is actually a member of the family that has passed away. Um, Roisin, have you owned pets over the years? 
I have a pet. I have a pet, a uh, big lab who is eight or nine years of age. I'm always downsizing her age because I am actually, it's, I think it's a terrible thing when you lose a pet. And I go dog walking every evening and my friend's dog has passed away. So I'm very interested in this because her dog died at 14 years of age, but they become a member of the family. And then there's the debate about what do you do with the remains of the dog? So we were very kind of nonchalant about it years ago, I think, because there was much more animals roaming loose and I'm from the country. So you didn't notice, but I'm suddenly going, it's up front, like, what would you do? Where do you bury your pest? Like, where do mm. they go when they go on to the uh, great clouds in the sky? Yeah, and I suppose it is the case. I, I was saying earlier that I was very surprised when my vet <laughs> offered me the option yeah. of, of interring uh, our Ruby's ashes in an urn. And I thought, what on earth? earth would I do with that? Yeah. I just sounded like a ludicrous idea, but people do it, Roisin. Did did you do it? You didn't do it. No, I didn't. No, you didn't. Not well, at we, all. I was discussing this with my pal because, um, you know, I never really occurred to me and she said she was offered the ashes, but she had this memory of ashes being underneath somebody's bed of a previous dog for 12 years. So I think there's a bigger question is because I think there is a question about what we do in terms of graves and urns and stuff about, I think we traditionally are bury pets in the back garden. That's our community. Mm. And now we are now people who are cremating pets and cremating loved ones in general. So it's like, it's not so much where, it's, where do you store the urn afterwards? Do you put a little shrine in your house? What happens to the urn? Do you know? Or do you scatter, take the ashes and scatter them over the park they they loved or something like that? I think that's probably what I do. Mm. I, I mean, and then there's the notion of putting it into a pot plant, putting, like mixing the ashes into a pot plant. But uh, my friend points out, what do you do then if the plant dies? You'd be mither <laughs> trying to make sure. <laughs> that two things die on you then. Okay. And yeah. I, I know that when a, pa- a pet dies in the home and you've got children, mm. it can actually be, I, I know it's very, very sad, but it can be a good lesson in the circle of life and how to deal with grief and closure yeah. and all that kind of thing. So I'm not sure, actually, that I believe it's healthy holding on to an urn with ashes. I, I really think we need that level of closure and to dispose of them somewhere or bury them or put them away. I mean, that's what we do with humans. So if yeah. you were to do that, and I know people are different about this, but if you were to do that, I mean, there's even a whole, it sounds ridiculous, design element when it comes to caskets and urns for pets, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, there is a whole design element, but there's also, you don't just need, sometimes people get them mummified or what's that word? Taxidermy. We've touched on this before. We have. have, I mean, I think there's, and and that's a really popular one with pets, believe it or not. That's like a fully popular one. Or a painting is also a very nice thing. I think there are other things other than the ashes. So, and and a memento of the, the doggy or the cat or whatever. So there's that notion of making a memento or a photograph or stuff like that. So I don't, I think you're right. I think we don't need necessarily to hold on to the ashes because then it becomes like, what if they get thrown out and what happens to the poor uh, remains? Whereas you can get a memento, you can get a little piece of, uh, you know, even an initial in silver on a, on a bracelet for a child or a little charm on their bracelet. Do you know what I mean? Mm. There's ways of doing this. It's not so easy with humans, let's be honest about no, it. No, no. But you are dragging, just you're dragging it out uh, to me. Um, <laughs> and like a lot of people get over a pet by getting a new pet. And if you've got an urn, where do you yeah. put it? On the mantelpiece? Do you put well, it on your bedside locker? 
the, but that's it. I mean, there is a thing of shrines and stuff. I mean, and we were all mad for the May altars. I don't see that a big step to doing a shrine with your some beloved pet. I think I don't know. I kind of hold on to the ashes or put them in a plant. I think I think I put them in a plant or scatter right. them on the lawn. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you do want mm. to bury your pet in the garden, yeah. are you allowed to do that, or are there rules around it? There are rules around it. It has to be half a metre deep and the dog isn't allowed to have died from an epidemic. So oh I suppose... At the now, moment, there now has that, been, that's a worry. Well, at the moment, it is a worry. I suppose most vets are now cremating the dogs at the moment. Well, listen, let mm. me know what you think uh, out there. Uh, have you cremated a pet? Do you still have its mm. ashes? Are you unclear as to what to do with it? Or do you want it up in your mantelpiece every single day? I'd be interested do in you, hearing. <laughs> do you still have ashes? Do or do you still have ashes somewhere? Indeed, indeed. Okay, that's 53106. You can get in touch or you can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And you know what? If you have an urn, send us in a picture of it. I will retweet on my Twitter uh, the more interesting ones. That's at Sinead underscore Ryan. Uh, now, uh, Roisin, we're going to talk um, about with the return to college uh, at yes. schools and all of that. It strikes me that students are always on the hunt for a study space and a small area. And it got me thinking yeah. in a wider way about the little box rooms that so many homes yes. come with. Um, they often seem to me, I've lived in two homes now that have had a box room and they really weren't big enough really to be a proper bedroom and it's just such a kind of a waste of a space it's fine when you've got a small baby not so good when you've got a teenager so we thought we would talk to you this morning about the uses for a box room if you don't need it as a bedroom okay well first of all i'm a little bit obsessed about a box room because i have three children so i have some child uh, the tallest one is obviously living in the smallest room. That's just the way life is for them. And I'm looking at my, I'm quite a small person. I'm looking at my big room thinking I'm supposed to hand this over. I'm not ready yet. Anyway, the thing is in a box room, there are, I have to say, there's a couple of things you can do. You can do things like there are wall beds or what's known as Murphy beds. And they're beds that come down off the wall. Okay. If you need it as a guest bedroom or something like that. But the really ingenious thing that a little wall bed does is you can put a fold down desk attached to that as well. So you can have your box room double up as a guest room and also be a little study area. Oh, how clever. Yes, they're really ingenious. So they have little bits of storage worked in. You know what I mean? Now they're expensive. They're on the higher end of the market, but they're really good for people, particularly if they don't have kids yet. They want to use the box room or they they don't want to turn it completely into an office or into, you know, a laundry or whatever it is, but they're very good. It's a very good adaptable thing. Okay. There's a couple of other really good sofa beds that are out there that are slightly smaller than a 1400 bed around. They're maiden size beds, but they come like kind of day beds. So you you put into the room a day bed stroke ottoman. And Mm. that again, it's a lovely place to go in and read a book or to go to the laptop. And since COVID, lots of people are looking for breakout spaces. So I think that that way it can be twigs in between. It doesn't need to be a complete kind of, you know, Mm. not a bedroom. It can be a bit of both. Well, I also think it's a lovely space for safety of kids and you want to make a little playroom, put a little shed in it, put a small shed or a little tree in it or something. So it's like what? an intriguing room or cut the door in half. You can turn it into Are you a kidding? kind of a fun. No, I'm not kidding. No, I'm a not shed kidding. in the box room. 
I have done it. I have put a shed, a bed shed, we call it. So it's like a real fantasy space. So like lined the witch in the wardrobe stuff. <laughs> Would you, you go Yeah, away? yeah. I, no, <laughs> I'm telling you now, that's why I have the job I have. But that to make these kind of breakout rooms for kids as well, or sensory rooms, say, if you have a kid who's got um, ADHD or, you know, who has sensory needs, you make a dark room with lots of different lights, maybe put, you know, the fold-out IKEA floor mattresses yeah. you can put one of them in and you can line the floor put dark lights in and make it can be a meditative space oh i see yeah, okay. yeah <laughs> a I room within a room a room within a room lots of things like this in a box from a spare part particularly if you have say two kids who don't want who still want to live with or sleep with each other they don't want to be in separate rooms use that box room as a play breakout room you can also do a really weird thing now i'm going to really stretch everybody's imagination here in the morning time but you could break in between one room and the next room this is another clever way to make use of a box space okay i'm going to ask you all to imagine shut your eyes and imagine imagine there's in the bigger twin room there's a ladder up and you sleep in the roof of the box room does that make sense well i can see it yeah (laughs) And I so don't then, know if I'd want it. <laughs> and then the underside of that becomes like a play area for kids, like a kitchen. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So you and it makes the the smallish room really like the it, the top part of it is uh, the bed part of the other room. So it's like it, there's a, lots of things. It's like a mini flat in the a house. Mini <laughs> flat. That's exactly right. Except you do and then do a little kitchen for the kids below. So it's a way of kind of and then they can shut that off if they want to as, as yours. But I just think use your imagination in box rooms because uh, especially if they're too small to do anything in. Indeed. All right. Well that is, is certainly food for thought. <laughs> You're gone there. She's like, Jesus nobody could let her into her house. Food. That's what she's thinking. Food for thought Roisin Murphy as ever. We learn something every week from you here on the home show. Now you are down in Carlo I know filming yeah. this week and that's why you're yeah. not in studio. So you are going to introduce to us now a building of the week from where you are. Go on. Guess which one I'm picking. Go ahead. Big brown brawn factory. Oh. Have you any recollection of it? It's a huge ribbed metal structure that has brawn written on the outside of it. And it was, I have never seen it in the flesh, okay? But it's down on on O'Brien's Road in Carlo. And it is so striking in the middle of Ireland. It looks, it was done in 1974, but it's such a striking modernist building. Okay. Now, again, I'm looking this the, up now on my, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking it, it up. You'll say, that's a story. It I can't is believe you didn't. dreadful. I, <laughs> it's a block of brutalist architecture. It's, brutalist. it's modernist. It's my, mo- Emin Galise would kill you now for that, but I won't tell her you called it brutalism, but it is quite brutalist in fairness to you. It is um, like a large shipping container. <laughs> I, uh, of, I, of, I, I don't know, eight stories high, sitting in the middle of a beautiful landscape. Roisin, you yeah. can't be serious. <laughs> I actually am. I I am because I think there's so few of these buildings in Ireland. It's still intact. Good. <laughs> <laughs> the Braun Factory. Oh my goodness! There isn't a window to be seen. <laughs> it's a factory. It's not a cathedral. There is a beautiful cathedral down in Carlow. But the reason. It only, sorry, I knew you'd love us. I said she'll want me to pick this one. She'll just be like, I hope she picks Braun because it's one of my favourite buildings in Ireland. No? Okay. Do you know what? Like, 
I, I just, there's nothing edifying about it. I'm sorry, people who work in Braun. I'm sure it's a great company and Oral-B and all of that and P&G, who, all the great products. But my goodness, you're not going to be inspired by the outside of that building. It was, but if you think about it, it is the ultimate mad men building. It, it completely harks back to the IDA. It was designed by the IDA architects. Although, so I have also seen a drawing with the ORKD's name on it too. So uh, there's a there's a couple of buildings there, but it has that standalone. We're going to build it. They're going to come, and we're going to build modern things in Ireland. So it epitomizes all that. It is. Carl was brilliant modernist uh, visual. Um, called VU every year, which is a visual arts thing. And they did Women in the Machine, did a big festival down there where they celebrated this iconic building. I'd say they'll put you on the guest list next year. But it, so it is quite, it is a really iconic building. I mean, there's another one, there's another one of my favourite ones, the Polaroid one in Newbridge as well, which is this kind of like, it was like somebody, it's just so untypically Irish architecture, but they were also universally mm. kind of, not the concrete colour, but brown. And believe it or not, brown is a big colour in the next, next the, the colours that are coming through in the next season. Right. OK, well, there we agree to differ. Not for the first time. <laughs> if anybody wants to have a look at the Braun factory yeah. in Carlo, do have a have a look at the images there. Um, yeah. You probably won't take you too long to, um, I think to check. If we do a poll, I wonder how it will work out. <laughs> right. OK, well, listen, the best of luck with the rest of the filming, Roisin. I'm sure we will see the results of all that on the telly in due course. And that Thanks is all we have time for. If people want to go and check that out, uh, Roisin can put uh, a picture of that up on your Instagram, which is? Uh, Roshi Murphy Architect. Excellent. All right. I won't be doing that. Um, so <laughs> I'll be tagging you. <laughs> that is all we have time for uh, on the show this week. If you'd like to get involved, if you have a question for me or Roisin or a topic you'd like to hear us cover, do get in touch with us and let us know. You can drop the show a text at 53106 for 30 cent or email us here at the home show at newstalk.com. We will read every single one of those. And don't forget to check out the home show podcast on the News Talk website. My Thanks to the production team this week, Gareth Mulhall, JJ Clark and Stephen McLoon on sound. Bobby Kerr's up next. He'll be talking to the nation's universities as they welcome back students to their lecture halls. Have a fantastic weekend and I'll see you all next Saturday. The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk.